apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones had the first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Finch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And last night, the Lakers went up 1-0 in their best-of-seven series against the Warriors. Anthony Davis was dominant. He had 30 points. LeBron had 22. D'Angelo Russell had 19 and hit that big shot at the end to put the Lakers up two after the Warriors went on that 14-0 run to tie the game. So uh, so the Lakers now, they lead one game to none. This is a big win, a huge win, because they, they've stolen home court now. So, I mean, because at minimum, the series is going to be 1 1 going to LA. So, the Lakers continue to be the hottest team in the league, knocking off the defending champs last night. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, big win for them. Yeah, they stole the current advantage. And we've, no, we've, you know, obviously the Warriors with their 11, I know they won two last, you know, in the series against the Kings. But yeah, that was a big one last night for the Lakers. And LeBron really showed shooting the ball. And it was huge that Anthony Davis, you know, had 30 and 23 rebounds last night. You know, at the end of Russell added 19 with Dennis Schroeder with another 19 points. So, yeah, like other guys for the Lakers, which, again, you know, that, that trade that they brought in, you know, or the couple trades that they made towards the deadline to bring in some depth has really helped them. And, you know, in this playoffs, you know, at the end of regular season and, and last night, because, yeah, LeBron, I was, he saw 22 and 11, but nine for 24, one for eight from three. He's been struggling most of the postseason from three. And other guys are able to kind of step up when we didn't get, they get, you know, 
LeBron domination last night. So, yeah, it's a big one for the Lakers. They see a whole court there from Golden State. Yeah, you mentioned LeBron hasn't been phenomenal from three-point range. I mean, and re- and realistically, he's needed other people around him to step up in this postseason. Anthony Davis, in certain spots, has been outstanding. It's pretty much like the Lakers now. That offense is running through AD as much as it's running through LeBron. And then you get the guys like Rory Hachimura in the first round, Austin Reeves in the first round, and then D'Angelo Russell last night. Other guys are stepping around LeBron. That's really making a difference. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely has. You know, that's that's what they've needed. That's what they need the last couple of years. They really didn't have much besides. They had Westbrook, but we know about Westbrook the last couple of years. Like they really did not have much outside of AD and LeBron for another scoring option. And yeah, you know, Hockey Moore has been able to do that. Dennis George has been able to do that. You know, Russell's coming back, you know, come back to LA doing that. Austin Reeves. I know they've had Malik Beasley as well, but I don't think he's probably going to play much just because he's not great defensively. And obviously with the Warriors guards, it's, you know, he might not play a ton this series, but he's another option if, if they need to go to somebody. He could also, at times, score the basketball as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, now we're going to look at uh, what the Lakers have to do to go up 2-0 on Thursday night. And, and my first thing is just keep having LeBron and AD look like one of the best duos in the NBA. Because really, since the, since the middle of, since the trade deadline, yes, they've added pieces around them, but they played like one of, they played like one of the best duos in the league. So just continue to have those two guys play the way they played. And if they continue that, I think the Lakers are going to be in uh, are going to be in really good shape and have a very very good chance to win this series. Uh, number two, as we said earlier, keep having guys like Russell and uh, guys off the bench step up. As we talked about, Roy Hachimura didn't round one. Austin Reeves has stepped up. Russell last night stepped up. So keep having those guys step up. That that's going to be really key. If those two things happen, there's a very good chance they could be going to LA up two two zero in this series. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely could. You know, with their the way the bench has been playing, that was one of my points. Is yeah, the way they've been playing Schroeder with the 19 last night. Um, and it hasn't, you know, and they all don't have to click on one night, but if one of two of those guys could put in like 10 to you know, 10 points somewhere around there, uh, that just puts up more pressure for LeBron and AD, and especially too for those for those two that we know for Anthony Davis who's kind of banged up and LeBron, who's older now. It's, you know, for a while, I think for the whole series, it's every other day. There's not really, there's not an extra day of rest. So that could be something too, where you're going to need a couple of those guys here. I know, I know that, you know, um, you know, that, that could be something there for, for depth wise that the Lakers may need to use. Um, you know, mine too, with Anthony Davis, just, you know, being just, uh, just having such a spectacular performance, um, you know, as you mentioned, and then even the defense, like he was able to change shots. The Warriors only had 24 points of paint while the Lakers have 54. So, you know, so I guess this is Anthony Davis and combination of the Lakers of using their size to their advantage that they got the bigger, bigger team. They want to get points. They want to get and score in the paint. They're not going to chuck threes like the Warriors did. Uh, they got to be able to, and again, that helps them create second chances on the offensive glass with their size. So for the Lakers kind of, you know, continue to play, you know, with the bigger lineup, take advantage of the Warriors' lack of size. And um, Anthony Davis, he continues to be spectacular like he was last night. The Lakers are in good shape to, to uh, go up 2-0. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll move on to the Warriors. What do they need to do to even the series on Thursday night? And the one, the most obvious thing is they need to contain AD. They cannot be continuing to have AD have these great performances against them because this can get even worse. He can get like 35 to 40 points if they continue to let him have these great performances. 
they need to double. They need to force. To, they need to try to get the ball out of his hands, not force him to dominate the game and it, and uh, and take the and and have the Lakers and have them and force the Lakers to shoot threes. If they could force the Lakers to shoot threes uh, and they miss them and, and they contain AD, I think they're they're doing a good job. But the problem is, is they let AD go crazy last night, and that was the biggest reason why they lost the game. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely was. You know, Anthony Davis did whatever he wanted. They just, yeah, you know, Kaylon Looney did a phenomenal job. It's a bonus, but um, you know, Davis is just a different animal. And yeah, he struggled. I know, you know, Looney still what had still over twenty rebounds last night, but um, yeah, you know, they just the lack of size is gonna hurt. And yeah, I, I agree with you. They got a double team, um, Anthony Davis, because again, it's not a Laker team that they're they don't have a ton of guys that are gonna kill you from three that are gonna beat you from behind the three point line. So. Yeah, you can be able to take those risks. And I one of my points too, kind of bouncing off yours was like I feel like the Warriors have to sag off the Lakers from three. Like there was one possession where you know Andrew Wiggins was guarding LeBron for 40 feet away. He's not gonna hit that shot. No, no, you know? no. Like there's no point. You know, like you gotta sag off a little defensively on them because the Lakers want to get to the lane, they want to get to the foul line. So you're just inviting them to do that. So yeah, what yeah, you know, I think the Warriors offensively gotta gotta change some things up here before game two. And I know. Short rest, and I know the Kings, that's the style you kind of have to play against the Kings, but now you're facing a Laker team with a totally kind of different style. Yeah, you got to fix up your defense, and that's a big adjustment there for game two. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, definitely, they definitely have to contain AD. And also, they, they need other guys to be consistent outside of Steph and Clay. They need Jordan. I know Jordan Poole's good last night, but they need him to be more consistent. They need Draymond Green to start scoring more. They need Wiggins to be more consistent. They need more consistency out of guys that are not named Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson. Yeah, yeah, that would help because, yeah, they, 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 they need to knock down shots because, as I just mentioned, too, with the way the Lakers want to play, they're not going to shoot a lot of threes where they're going to score. You know, they had 54 points in the paint last night, you know, you, you got to, if they're going to shoot threes, they're going to have to hit their shots. They're going to have to knock down shots because the Lakers, you know, they're, they're good about scoring around the basket and they're, and they're one of the best teams that get into the free throw line. So, you know, again, like the free throw number, this discrepancy, like it's not really that shocking because the Lakers do get to the basket and do draw fouls when you're shooting threes, you don't. So a lot of free points are going to go to the Lakers from going the free throw line. So yeah, you know, the Warriors are going to have to knock down shots and, you know, like Curry last night, went through a drought like he scored in the first quarter and then you know didn't score again like the seven minute mark in the third like they're gonna need him to be you know curry and a lot of those guys consistently scoring and, and hitting their threes that they're gonna take 53 a game in the series yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah they're gonna they're gonna take him they gotta hit him so interesting game I mean, interesting game interesting game thursday night must win for the warriors thursday night though they gotta beat the lakers or they are in big big trouble but talking about must wins, the Knicks got a must, got a win they needed last night. They beat the uh, they beat the Heat one eleven to one hundred five. Jalen Brunson was great, had thirty points, and he was great at the end. Uh, got the the, the uh, one of the hit a big shot to tie the hit a big three to tie the game. Then he hit a he hit a shot to uh, the, the, I don't know if he, oh he hit the big three to put them up by three. Then he hit a shot to put them up by five, and then. Uh, then, then uh, Josh Hart hit that huge three. So Jalen Brunson was great at the end of the game last night. Like he's been all, he's been pretty much yeah. all playoffs. Game one against Cleveland, game four against the against the Cavs, and then and then and then uh, last night he's really proven to be a closer for this team. So he's done. A, he's had an outstanding an outstanding year for this team. The Knicks even the series one one against the Heat. The big question though is is who has the edge in the series. And I know Jimmy Butler was out last night. And I know the Heat gave them a a, a a good game, but 
I I think the Knicks have the edge, and I think they have the edge because they have the more because they're 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 the more healthy team. They're the more healthy team. Randall's more health. I think Randall is more healthy than Jimmy Butler. Brunson's playing really well. Uh, Barrett's been playing great, and the Heat have Tyler Hero out. So yes, I know the Heat almost won last night, and I know the Knicks bench has to be better. They've been outscored fifty to twenty twenty seven in this series. That has got to change, but. I do think the Knicks have the slight edge in the series. I think it's going six or seven. I think it's definitely going six or seven. There's no question about that. I think the Knicks have the slight edge slight edge because they are the healthier team. I'm going with the Heat. I think when Jimmy Butler comes back, I the like, yeah, the Knicks won. The Knicks won like a desperation one like they a must-win game. But yeah, without Jimmy Butler, you still only won by six. I I I Get the point of yeah, the, the Knicks are are much more healthier right now than the Heat because yeah, no Tyler Hero as, as you mentioned as well this series. But did you see Jimmy Bowen on the bench last night? Like he's oh yeah, he was popcorn. Coaching, like yeah. he's enjoying himself. Like I, I yeah, you yeah. know, I I think when he comes back, I think he, I think I think you're gonna get that Jimmy Butler that we got at Milwaukee where he's he knows he's gonna win the series. I think he knows he could, he's the best player on that floor. And I, I and when that when that happens. I, I could see Jimmy put up 35-40. Again, Brunson's been great. Josh Hart played really well last night. Randall played well for stretch. I thought in the second half he started forcing some things. But I think the Heat with Jimmy Butler, I, I think when he comes back with Bam out of bio, I think Miami finds a way to win the series in six, seven games. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. You're expecting the Jimmy Butler to be the Jimmy Butler like he was against Milwaukee. I don't. He's not going to be the Jimmy Butler he was against Milwaukee because the guy's banged up. The guy's not going to be 100%. Jimmy Butler's not going to be 100%. And Brunson and Randall is back. I think Randall's back. I think Randall is back to playing really, really well. He played really well last night. Brunson obviously is a great closer. I'm telling you, the series is going to be really close. I'm just saying the Knicks have the edge. And I, like I said earlier, I think they're just more healthy. You're, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. I guarantee you this. You're not going to get the Jimmy Butler you get against. You got against Milwaukee. Now, is that good enough to beat the Knicks having a Jimmy Butler that's like 85%? Yes. But you're not getting the Jimmy Butler that played against Milwaukee. That's why this series is going to be long. And I think the Knicks have the advantage right now. Yeah, it may not. Yeah, you, yeah, you may not get that same Jimmy Butler, but I think guys have stepped up around that. You know, Gabe Vincent last night had a really good night. Caleb Martin played has been playing pretty well this postseason. Bam Adebayo is a really good center. Um, Max Strus, you know, had 17 last night. They didn't get a ton of scoring off the bench, but they got a little bit. Um, and then you still got Kevin Love, who I think you know is it's, it's not great anymore, but I think, you know, like in game one where the Heat really did well in transition because Kevin Love with those outlet passes, and he's so good at that. He's been so good at that for so long. Yeah, I and I think with Spolster too, again, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach, but I think Eric Spolster is the best coach in the game. And I would put Thibodeau in the top five, top ten. Um, but that 2-3 zone last night almost worked. I still don't completely trust the Knicks from three-point arc. And you know you're going to see that 2-3 defense again, especially if the Knicks are struggling. Again, the Knicks played a great first half on Sunday, and then they just started to decide to chuck. You know, like they kind of, you know, they just chucked. And I, I think Spolster, I think Spolster finds a way to 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 outcoach Thibodeau just a little bit, and I think that's why as well. I just, I don't like betting against that Heat team. I just, I've been bit by it before, and I just, I, I think even down, even losing by six last night on the road without your best player, I think is a really positive sign for Miami. Yeah, but the problem with the Heat though is late in the game. If Jimmy Butler's banged up, who you, you saw this last night? Who you trust to make a big shot? Are you trusting? Uh, are you trusting Gabe Vincent? Are you trusting Caleb Martin? Are you trusting Kyle Lowry? Are you trusting? Are you trusting Bam Adebayo? No, you're not trusting any of those guys to hit a big shot late late in the game. 
So, uh, yes, I think this series is very evenly matched. But but I just I'll trust I'll take if Jimmy Butler's banged up and isn't 100 percent, I'll take Jalen Brunson over any of those guys outside of Jimmy Butler to hit a big shot late in the game to win it to to, uh, to win a game. I know I know guys have stepped up for the Heat, but there's nobody you could completely trust is going to be consistent. I could trust that Jalen Brunson is going to be consistent. I think I could trust that Julius Randle is going to be consistent. And with the way R.J. Barrett's been playing since game three of the first round, of the first round against Cleveland, I might be able to trust that R.J. Barrett's going to be consistent. There's more guys you can trust in the Knicks that are going to be consistent than you can on the Heat. Yeah, no, and that, that's a good point because, yeah, there's not a t- – guys have stepped up for the Heat, but, yeah, could they consistently continue to do it? Like, Gabe Vincent, you know, hasn't been great throughout his career. But, again, like this postseason, he's been playing well, you know, Miami was knocking down shots against my Milwaukee, but again, you know, it is a totally different now that New York actually guards a three point line, not like Milwaukee and just kind of lets guys just shoot <laughs> wide open threes. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So yeah, you know, the Knicks right now, like Jalen Brunson is, is playing a man on a mission. You know, Josh Hart again, last night almost had a triple double, you know, like, yeah, you know, four, four, you know, four or five guys had double figures and three of them had over 20 points. So, um, you know, New York, yeah, New York's got some guys you could trust. Yeah, Butler's not 100%, but the, the, the you know, Jimmy Butler, I, I think if he's close to 85, 90%, I think, you know, he's on the floor late in the game. He wants that shot, and I think he knocks down that shot, you know, still, even if he's not 100%. Yeah, they don't have a ton of other guys for the Miami who could knock down consistently. That Yeah, they struggled last night down the stretch, but with the Heat, I, I think supposed to draw something up where he gets Butler going. And I, I think Butler, even he's somewhat banged up, I think could still knock down a late jumper to, um, you know, to win a game or, you know, give, give his team the lead late in the game. And he could, he, he definitely, definitely could. And you made a good point about Spolster. Spolster might be one of the top coaches in the, in the NBA, seeing what he's got out of this Miami, but he gets out of this Miami team pretty much year in and year out. So yeah, Spolster is definitely, I remember we thought, didn't think he was that good when LeBron was there. Didn't think Alex Spolster was that good, but then he proved to probably be, to clearly be the best coach LeBron ever had. But yeah, th- I mean, this should be a great series at the end. I just personally think I trust more guys in the Knicks than I do on the heat. I think the Tyler Hero injury is definitely going to play a factor. It definitely did last night. Not having Tyler Hero there, Definitely, and, and Jimmy, obviously, Jimmy, not having Jimmy Butler there played a, uh, was, was a factor, but not having Tyler Hero there definitely was going to be a factor, and it's going to be a factor with Miami throughout the postseason. So I just think there's more guys in the Knicks you could trust to be consistent. That's why I take them. I got, I still got them winning it in seven. Yeah, I could totally see that. You know, I think it helps Miami. Get, they get a couple days here for Butler to get healthy. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Heat. I think they win this thing in six. I, I think the Heat find a way to, to win the series and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. It should be very interesting between these two teams, between the Knicks and he. This has been a great series so far. But we'll move on to another Eastern Conference series between the Celtics and the Sixers. And Joe, uh, six, the Sixers won game one, and they got even more good news as they'll have Joel Embiid back against the Celtics uh, against the Celtics tonight. So this is going to be a this is a brutal, this is a brutal game for the Celtics. It's been a very very tough uh, uh, six uh, forty eight hours for Boston sports fans, obviously with what was having their hockey team and having their basketball team in game one. I mean, the Red Sox, we'll get to them. They're, yeah. they're the only saving grace for that city. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think, I think, I think this is, this is a game. This is, this is a game where if the Celtics want to even this series, uh, they need to get more to Marcus Smart. They need more to get out of Derek White. And they need to get more to Al Horford. They need to get more to those three guys. Cause Brown was good in game in game one and Jason Tatum at 39 points. 
And also, one thing they really need to do is they need to defend. They need to defend. 119 points without a team's best player. I know there's a lot of scoring in the NBA today. That is flat-out inexcusable. That defense is flat-out inexcusable to allow James Harden to score 45 points on Monday night. That they, they didn't, And they didn't come out with the intensity. They came out with the intensity like it was a regular season game. They got to come out with playoff intensity. And they must yeah. do that tonight. or They must do that tonight or they're going to lose this series. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, you know, one of the was it Tatum? I it was either Tatum or Jalen Brown was like, Yeah, we just kind of figured without Embiid, you know, they we we just didn't have the defensive intensity or you know, and it's like it's a semifinal this is the game. Playoff. Like this is the yeah, playoffs. Like, so you got I don't care who's on the floor, you gotta have the intensity to win that game. You think Larry, if Larry yeah. Bird was on that if Larry Bird's playing that game, there's no way the Celtics are losing. There's no way Larry Bird didn't care who was on the floor. He was out there to win the game. Went back in the KG era, the KG, uh, Paul Pierce, the old PG, Paul Pierce, the big three, that, that era, they didn't care who was on the floor. They won the game. They, 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 oh, the, yeah. the lack of intensity in game one, that's inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Imagine if, jo- if, imagine one of those guys played with like Michael Jordan said that, or yeah, one of those guys, a Kobe again, they're, you know, they're, they're getting, they're getting their ear cheered off today from, from one of those guys for saying stuff like that. Like, yeah. You know, like that's again, the, the defense for the Celtics hasn't been great, you know, the last – again, we kind of saw him almost blow the thing to Atlanta, you know, what Trade Young did in that fourth quarter. And we, we talked about how that was going to hurt him. We talked about yeah. that was going to hurt him, and I think it very easily – not winning game five could have very easily cost him game one of this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have. Two, two, two straight home games they've lost in, this, in uh, the playoffs so far. That, yeah. that's, not, that's not Celtics basketball. We know that. No. No, it's not. You know, yeah. You know, you could have started Saturday. You could have had no one beat, you know, for two games there. And yeah, like if you really kind of stepped on it, you, you really wanted this thing and you really, because it, I'm not saying they don't want the, they want to win the final, but like they, they want to go out there and win the finals, obviously. But like a team that really is motivated, really wants it, they don't care who's on that, as we just mentioned, who's on that floor. You know, they, you know, you very easily could have got two games out, Joel and Bede. You could be going to Philly up 2-0 feeling good about yourselves, but now you're in a must-win situation for the things, you, you know, for the way you, you kind of, um, you know, handle things. You know, again, like, how did they get beat against the Warriors last year? They turned the ball over so much. They were careless with the basketball. They were in game one. Again, Malcolm Brogdon's turnover was, was like the the uh, Jacoby Myers one against, against Vegas. It was just like, totally, what are you doing there? There's nobody around them. So, yeah, for the Celtics, it's just like the the – the intensity's got to be there. The focus got to be there. You know, it, it's a must-win tonight. But yeah, the, the, the Celtics team's got to get back on track very quickly because, uh, yeah, the way James Harden played last night or on Monday night, it, again, you know, got to give him a lot of credit because I've been hard on him the last couple of years. But he's showing up well, and um, I think also for the Celtics too. Actually, this is the last thing I'll say about the Celtics: stop switching off of PJ Tucker. Like he's not shooting the basketball. Why do you like? Lee, that's that, they did it all night. That's, that's terrible. That's the problem when you have a pretty much an interim head coach coaching your team. And and, and if that was email, that would have been stopped in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's going to get you beat. Like that's that's an adjustment they have to make. You cannot have that again. Leave. You know, you do not have to switch off screens when it's PJ Tucker. You don't. You don't have, like. It's not like that's not hard to see in a scouting report. But I I don't know. That's yeah. You know that stuff they got they got to fix for tonight. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If they don't get it fixed, they're going to be done. And now moving on to the Sixers, uh, what do they got to do to go up 2 hard? Harden and B just got to continue to be great. Harden was great in uh, in game uh, 
in, in game one. Embiid was really good before he got hurt in, in the postseason. So those two guys just got to continue to be great. And then just have Maxi and Harris continue to play the way they did in game one. If they can get four guys scoring at least 15 points, they're going to be in good shape. They're going to be in this game late, and they're going to have a very, very good chance of taking, command, taking a commanding 2-0 lead in the series. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely could. You know, the the, the other guys have stepped up. You know, even Melton had a really good had a really good half last um on Monday night as well. You know, the, the Kim Harris, Tyrus Matthews, we've been able to see James Harden. Again, you're not gonna get another 45 from him tonight, but you can get 20, 25. I think that's perfect for him. You know, um, you know, he was efficient. If he could continue to be efficient again, yeah, you're getting MB back who, you know, just won the MVP last night. Congratulations to him. You know, and Horf- Horford hasn't looked great. Like, do we see more Robert Williams now at the center position? He is a better defender than the Horford, Horford but, um, you know, I, I know Williams has kind of been battled by that knee injury the last couple of years. But, like, yeah, you know, it, it, Embiid's going to be tough to stop tonight. And, yeah, you know, Sixers gonna have could have the edge there. And, you know, um, if the other guys just step up around, if they got a double team in Embiid and Maxi Harris and all those other guys to knock down shots, yeah, the Sixers could be very well going up 2-0, going back home. Absolutely. And speaking of Embiid, last night he won the MVP. And the big question is, is was this your pick to win the MVP? For me, it was. I mean, he was averaging over 30 a game. I know it was close between him and Jokic. Jokic was almost averaging a triple-double, but I had to give it to Embiid. He was averaging over 30. Averaging over, he was averaging like 33 points a game. So I, I had to give it to Embiid, and, and, and it was his turn. But there is controversy that people didn't want to give it to Jokic because they didn't want to give it to a guy three years in a row. Yeah. I, I And I – was one of those Jokic guys, you know, I remember we talked about a couple weeks ago, I kind of felt like, he, you know, Jokic played in that Sixers game, Embiid sat it out. I, I know Embiid's <laughs> you were, an absolute You were not happy about Embiid sitting out that, that game against the Nuggets. No, it, it's the two MVP guys with, what, three weeks left, you can't play? Like that, like I Had just, to rest I, up, I think gotta rest up. It is bad for the league. Those guys, that should have been, the, we should have gotten that matchup yeah. that night. Yeah, the 82 game exhibition. That's kind of what I, I would go like that far, but yeah, but yes, the it's, sitting of guys. It's getting close. It's getting close, but yeah, you know, like again, he 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 deserved it though. Him and Yoka were were close. Um, they have a thirty three and ten this year. Um, just dominating performance. You know, um, he he definitely deserved it. I know Yoka's won two in a row. There may be some fatigue there, but yeah, you know, again, and B definitely deserved the MVP. And uh, he had a remarkable season. I know. The last couple of years, he's been really good. Jokic's been, you know, there's been other guys that have been just a little bit better than him. And, yeah, you know, finally his turn to, to win one. Oh, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. I'm happy for him. He's had a, he's had a really good career with the Sixers. And we'll see if he if he, uh, t- he takes a, if he makes a deep playoff run. He could finally get to the conference finals. And that's what they, and then he's got a great chance to do that. And, and, and the Sixers have a great chance of getting there with a win tonight. So it's going to be a big game between the Celtics and the Sixers. It should be very interesting to see what happens there. But we got to talk. We'll wrap up talking about the NBA, talking about the Nuggets uh, being up on the Suns 2 0 in their series. I mean, the Suns, I mean, the pro- biggest issue with the Suns is their bench. Their bench is absolutely terrible. Uh, and uh, and then now they're going to be losing Chris Paul for games three and four. So that bench is going to get worse. So, I mean, it's it, it, it really for the Suns to get back into the series, they need to get something off their bench. I don't know how they're going to get it because their bench is terrible, but they got to get something off their bench. And they got to, and they need D book. And uh, KD to be outstanding. They both got to score at least thirty points for this team, especially in Game Three, for this team to get back into the series. Yeah. Now Durant was down efficient tonight. He's ten for twenty-seven, and he was, um, you know, for three. You know, he, he was two for 11, He was two for twelve and three, and he had seven turnovers in Game One. 
you know, like he's, he's gotta be better, you know, Booker too. Those two gotta be phenomenal. Um, you know, th- those two really have to play well and yeah, they need something off the bench. Like Cameron Payne, again, maybe with Cameron Payne now, maybe they're able to, maybe they kind of try to speed up that offense and they try to, um, you know, maybe get in transition more, you know, it seems to fit Cameron Payne a little bit better, but yeah, they, like they, they need somebody like that to kind of come in and score. Or if not, they're going to, you know, and the problem is they lost a defensive game the other night, 97-87. Like, you know, if they can't get, if they, if Durant and Booker can't, you know, get it, get it going or, you know, because again, they're both not going to score, four, you know, like you need both those guys to score like 40-45 a night and you're not, you're probably not going to get for both of them. And if your bench is a score, you're going to have to win a defensive battle. And I just don't think that they're defensively good enough to do that. So um yeah they're like they're in big trouble right now and i think without paul i think this thing could be over in five games right now i i i really like the way the nuggets are playing and i just this the sun seems yeah i just don't trust the bench i don't i don't trust anybody to step up for him yeah i wouldn't be shocked if it did and uh and and yeah and and for the nuggets for them to go up 2-0 i mean just have this starting five continue they don't have a great bench either but just have this starting five continue to play the way they're playing uh Murray was great in game one. Yoke just was great in game two. Porter Jr., Gordon, they've all stepped up. So they have this starting five to continue to play the way that they are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, Murray had a rough game. Um, you know, he had a rough night the other day. And um, he stepped up, you know, in game um, – or, yeah, he had a good game one, but I, but he struggled in game two. You know, I expect him to bounce back. You know, Yoke has played really well. And, and, you know, kind of – you know, and he had 40 points the other night. So – yeah, you know, for for the Nuggets, they don't have a great bunch bench, but they they got guys around that are good enough. Um, they're able to knock down shots. So yeah, I think for the Nuggets, the way they've been playing, and I I like um, you know, offensively or defensively too. When Durant and Booker, they're coming in the pick and rolls. They're sending an extra guy, you know, because they know that nobody else in that Sun team is going to knock down shots. And if and if they do, you know, you kind of just applaud them. And say okay, that's you know. They're not going to let KD or um, Booger beat them, and I think that's exactly how you have to play it right now. Oh, absolutely, and and and, and the big the big question here for uh, uh, for for the Suns and uh, Kevin Durant is what? Would, how much pressure is on Durant right now? What happens if he loses this in four or five? Because last year he got swept out of the playoffs to the Celt- to the Celtics when he was with the Nets. Wanted out of he wanted out of he wanted away from the Nets. He wanted to leave, get traded. He goes to a team that had a. That is a really good team, a team that got to the finals two years ago. And then if he loses this in five, you there's no way you could call him a the best player in the NBA. You arguably could say he might not even be a top three player in the league, if or even a top five player in the league if he loses the series in five games. So I think there is some pressure on Kevin Durant right now. Yeah, there absolutely is. You know, we I know we talked kind of like who's more, you know, more pressure is a Jokic or Durant last week, and you know I kind of thought Durant because. You know, it, yeah, if they lose, there's gonna be a lot more oh, pressure. I still, I still think there's pressure on Jokic. Jokic Yo, can't yeah. blow this. Jokic can't blow this now. He's up 2-0. He can't blow this. But there also is, as, as we said, there was a lot of pressure on Durant going into this series. Yeah, you know, this is his chance. I know this is more Booker's team than his. I know he joined in January, February, but look, you know, and I know he didn't play a ton. But but you know, the thing is, the, the Suns acquired him. Yeah, to get to get to, to get to the NBA Finals. That's why they went out and traded Cam Johnson and Mark and Mar- and Markel Bridges. They traded those guys to get to the finals. Yeah, they did. And again, you know, you you traded your depth guys. They're not even depth guys. You traded some decent pieces. They get Durant, and I and I see why. You know, it's you know two years ago you got to the finals. You know, and they were close. But yeah, right now they need. There's a lot of pressure on Durant that if he if 
they don't win the series. And again, it when it all, but like if he shoots 10 for 27, the next two nights in two for 12 from three, yeah, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot that he couldn't step up and knock down shots. You know, now, and yeah, you know, we, we've kind of seen what happened to Brooklyn. We saw what happened to OKC. We know about, you know, the titles he won in Golden State. But yeah, this is a ch- another chance here to kind of prove it in a Western Conference that's really wide open where any team could kind of win it this year, you know, that made the playoffs pretty much. So yeah, for Durant, this thing was wide open. And yeah, to lose in four or five games, it possibly losing four or five games, yeah, would be, you know, disappointing again to somebody who is a fantastic basketball player, one of the best guys in the sport right now. It has been for a while, but yeah, you know, it's just another, it, it'd be another, you know, tough out in the playoffs. If, if they bow out, if you, if it seems bows, bows out early yet again, it, it'd be tough. Absolutely. 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 So we got our winners and losers of the NFL draft, but before we give you those, we are going to hear from our friends at JPEG financial and Shamrock home inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so the NFL draft was last Thursday, and uh, very interesting draft. I mean, to, to, get, to get pretty much a recap, obviously, you had, uh, you know, you had the three of the four quarterbacks going in the top four. Uh, I mean, I think we all knew Young was going one, and then Houston was pretty much the team that, that, uh, that, that surprised us. Not for me with the quarterback. I knew they were going with C.J. Stroud, but traded up to the number three pick to get Will Anderson. They come out of this draft with C.J. Stroud. And Will Anderson, that's really that that's huge. That's huge for them because arguably that those could have those were those were arguably at times the top two guys who could have been the top two picks 
uh, in the draft. So they come out with pretty much come out with the number two and number three pick. Then you look at Indy getting uh, Will Richards, Will Richardson, and then 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 you then you look at it. You look at some of the trades. You look at Detroit. I didn't get what I, I I'm going to Detroit. I don't get what Detroit did at all. You know, you know, trade trade. Uh, Trading down and then and taking a and then taking a running back and then reaching for a linebacker. I don't get that. Atlanta, PJ Robinson. That surprised me. Him going to Atlanta eight. I didn't like, really like that. I mean, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I don't like. I, I think I, I think the player is going to be great, but I just don't like him going there. And then uh, then Will Levis was a big story in this draft. Where Will Levis was going to go, and you knew when Tennessee didn't take him at eleven, you knew there was a chance he was going to fall, and then he falls all the way into the second round, and then uh, and then then he goes still goes to the Titans. So. So, Justin, what were your thoughts on the draft? Yeah, I loved what the Texans did. You mentioned trade up. They go get Will Anderson as well. You know, Marco Ryan wants his, um, you know, wants his big edge guy there. And, you know, I and I liked how they kind of, you know, yeah, you trade up some future picks. But, you know, who cares about later? You know, worry about the now. And I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah, the lines didn't make any sense with Kit. I guess it makes a little bit more sense that they end up trading Swift. But, yeah, I still don't. I didn't understand the Gibbs pick. I think you could have got him later on. Um, you know, elsewhere in the draft, I thought the Eagles had another phenomenal, um, you know, especially in the first round, I thought they did really well, but yeah, it was interesting. I was surprised. Well, I thought maybe Levis would go to Washington or maybe even Tampa would scoop him up there at 19 or even Washington at 16, but neither one did. It was a little surprising that he went 33 to Tennessee, but yeah, I was, I was also shocked that he didn't go for because I everything kind of signaled that Indy was in a draft and they ended up going Richardson said. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So now we're going to get with to go to our winners and our losers of the draft, and I'll start. I'll start with it. And my number one winner, it's obvious, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they were able to trade up to get Jalen Carter, arguably maybe even arguably arguably the best defensive player in the draft, maybe even the best player in the draft. I mean, that was a steal for the Eagles to get Jalen Carter. And also it fit a need because they lost Jaron Hargrave in free agency. So the Eagles, to me, my number one winner. Number two, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like the fact they traded. They filled their needs. I like the fact they traded up to go get Broderick Jones. And with the first pick of the second round, we knew when you saw, saw Steelers at 32 and Porter was still on the board, you knew Porter was going to go there at number 32. So I really, really like what the Steelers did. They addressed two needs with two first-round picks. So I think this Steelers team is in really, really good shape. I know it's a stacked AFC, but don't be surprised to see the Steelers in the playoffs this year, seeing what they did in this draft. Number three, I'm going to go with the Colts. I'm going to go with the Colts because I like the fact they got a quarterback. They finally are not going to be playing quarterback roulette like they've been doing the last six, seven years. They finally got their guy. I know he might not start right out of the, right, right away. He might he might sit. You might see a lot of Gardner Minshew this year, but they got their guy, and I think this is a good match with Shane Steichen. I think this is going to be a really good match between Anthony Richardson and Shane, Shane Steichen. I think that Will Richardson is raw, but he could, as we said, he's got the highest floor of any player in this draft. So. So this, and I think that's why they took him over Will Levis with the number four overall pick. Uh, Number four for me, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans because they got their quarterback and they got their stud pass rusher, and that's what you need in the NFL to be successful. I think they, I think their rebuild. I I, I, now I'm starting to trust the direction of this of this franchise, the way it's going. I I, and and I think that uh, I think that that they did a really good job getting getting uh, Andrew trading up for Anderson. Uh, also, they, they addressed offensive line, interior line, which was a disaster. They got a receiver, Nathan Dow. 
from Houston in the third round. So I think uh, I think Houston, I think they were, I think they, they did a really good job in this draft. And number five, I'm going to go with my team. I'm going to go with the Giants. I really like. I know I wanted one of those receivers. I really wanted one of those receivers, but they were all taken. They trade up. They get a corner who can play in Wick scheme, can play man coverage in Deontay Banks. Then in the se- then in the second round, they addressed a major need, and that was the interior of the line. They get the center from Minnesota. I think what's his name again? Uh, Michael. I think it's Michael Schmitz. Uh, Michael. Um, John Michael Schwartz. John Michael. John Michael Schwartz. John Michael Schwartz. They get a center in the second round, and then the third round, you got love this pick. They go out and get Jalen Hyatt out of out of uh, out of uh, t- to Tennessee. So. I really, really like the, the Giants draft this year. I think Joe Shane did a really, really good job in this draft. Justin, your five winners from this year's draft. My five, I get the same number one as you. I get the Eagles at number one. What they did get in Jalen Carter at number nine. Nolan Smith at 30. A couple more UGA guys. You know, we saw they drafted a couple last year. Um, I also like that they got Ringo there late in the fourth round. I thought, you know, he's he's another steal and then and then as an undrafted free agent getting Eli Ricks too. Like I thought he's a guy that could go late in like the third round and he ends up going undrafted. I, I thought that that was also another steal for Philly. Number two for me was the uh Pittsburgh series as well. I like that they moved ahead to the Jets. They got Project Jones and then as you mentioned, Joey Porter Jr. But then also Darnell Washington at tight end. I, I think that's a really nice That's a good one. Time. I'd say that I had to yeah. mention that. Yeah, that's a good, really good one right there. Yeah, I think I think he'll fit with that offense well with um Kenny Pickett, I think that's another good one. I'm with you. That seal organization, they're going to be right there yet again. Um, number three, I went to Seattle. I got, you know, with Devin Weatherspoon and Jackson Smith at Jigba, you know, and then they got the pass rusher and Derek Hall if they needed. And I and I thought they did a good job in day three. It just kind of bolstering that that all O-line. And I think they really kind of improved the roster. And I think they could really give San Francisco a run for the money in that division. Here, here's where I, I disagree with Seattle, job. though. Here's where I disagree with Seattle. What did they do to their front seven in the first round to improve it? Nothing. This team is one of the worst teams, worst teams against the run all year. Yeah, you can't call them a loser of the draft because they got a guy like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jake and Devin Witherspoon. They, they imp- Where they were strong, they became really strong at receiver and corner. But that run defense is going to scare me, especially against when you're competing with a team like the 49ers. No, it, it definitely could. I, I think, you know, Morris and Hall, I know they're more edge guys. I know they didn't really do a ton of, the, you know – and they got Cameron Young for the interior defense, but um, yeah, I know they didn't do great, but I, I still thought the talent that they're bringing in, I, I think they could still give give the Niners a run for the money. Uh, number four, uh, what I had to, or uh, yeah, number four, I had the Houston Texans as well. I liked what they did. They mentioned, you know, bringing up or trading off for Anderson, getting CJ Stroud. Uh, you know, I, I think they got some really good depth guys a, as well on day two. You know, with Nathaniel Dell, um, you know, shrugs out of um, Penn State. I, I think Houston had a really good draft again. Not, you know, the rebuild still a long way to go, but I think they had a pretty good draft. And I think they, you know, feel good about direction they've gone in. And then, yeah, number five for me, too, was your, your Giants. I, I, you know, um, the cornerback position going there early. I know you wanted a wide receiver, but Banks is a good one at corner. Um, it's actually. John Michael Smith, I thought it's worth, but it's Smiths. But um, and Jalen Hyatt, you know that that's a nice outside weapon that you guys grab. You know, you saw how open he was at Tennessee last year. He's a guy that you know is great at creating space for himself. And I, I think you know the Giants did a really good job getting depth at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, and I think they got some solid picks as well with Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. He's a versatile weapon at running back. Can do a little bit of everything with his um. 
elusiveness. So I, I think the Giants as well had a really good draft. Yeah, they absolutely did. They absolutely did. Now we'll get to our losers of the NFL draft. And for me, number one is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, obviously, they they didn't have a first round pick, and that was their own, with their, and that was their own fault tampering with Tom Brady. And then their second round pick, they take a corner. They're they're, they're strong in the secondary. They got Xavier and Howard. They got uh they got uh Xavier and Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Javon Holland. They're already strong in the secondary. They needed to improve that front seven. That that, that front seven. That's what needed improvement. So they really shouldn't have been going out and get a corner. And then with their third round pick, they take a running back. Okay, I don't mind that. But they really didn't have a fourth round pick. They didn't have a fifth round pick. So for me, Miami really didn't. I feel like didn't get better at all after this draft. So to me, they are my number. They are they, they're, they're my number one. The Dolphins are my number one. Number two for me is the Jaguars. The Jaguars for me is the Jaguars. I know they need a left tackle because of what's happened with Cam Robinson. So they got the kid from uh, Oklahoma. But they, that was a total reach. Their first-round pick was a complete reach there. They really didn't address really many of their needs in the first three rounds. They got Brenton Strander. I like Brenton Strander, a Penn State fan, but also they got Evan Ingram. They take a running back in the third round. They got uh, they got one of the better one of the better backs in the league in Travis Etienne. So they really, really didn't – to me, they really didn't address their needs that much. And their first-round pick was a major reach. So – I, I I know they addressed the need with that pick, but that pick was a reach for me. So that's why they're my number two loser in this draft. Number three, it's absolutely the Detroit Lions. Absolutely the Lions. I think the Lions blew a, blew a major, major opportunity in this draft to be a top team in the NFC because, because of the picks they made in the first round. First, they have the number six overall pick. They had a chance. They had a chance to get Jalen Carter, and they traded down. And then they trade down, and they draft a running back who was protected to be a late, late first-round pick. What are you doing? Or they could have had Christian Gonzalez when they need a ton of help at corner. This team needs help on defense. They don't need to be drafting running backs. And that, and of course, that that got uh, DeAndre Swift upset, and that's why he's uh, that's why he's an eagle right now. But yeah, I, I, that to me that didn't make sense. And, and, and then, and then in that se- that second-round pick. Oh my God! I, 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 it's Jack Campbell. That was another reach. Yeah. So the, to me, the Lions were definitely, one, definitely one of the biggest losers in this draft, and that's why. Then number four, the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, and and, and for me, one of the big reasons why is you, you take. I like Bijan Robinson. Don't get me wrong. I like Bijan Robinson was great in college, but you had a back that went for over a thousand yards last year, and if you look, and you also had a chance to get Jalen Carter. A can't miss prospect. You played in your own backyard, and you were twenty. You were second to last in the NFL in sacks last year with twenty-one. I know the two edge rushers were gone with Tyree. I know you probably wanted Tyree Wilson there. I know the two edge edge rushers were gone with Tyree Wilson and Will, and Will Anderson. The two top edge rushers were gone. But to take a running back top ten when you had a running back rush for over a thousand yards. To me, that does not help your team. And they also didn't really improve the receiver position that much either, which they lacked depth there as well. So that's why they're one of my losers in the draft. And last, this one was a tough one, but I'm going to go with the Jets. I know, you know, the Aaron Rodgers thing was the reason they didn't have a second-round pick. But but if you look at the Jets, they, they I really felt like they needed to get a tackle in the first round. I know they got leapfrogged there with 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 that pick, but still, I think they still really needed to come out come out of this draft with a tackle in one of the first two rounds. They ended up getting a tackle in the fourth round in Carter Warren, but I felt like a tackle was a necessity, especially in the, in the first three rounds, because of the injury history of Mekhi Becton. But, Justin, who are your losers of this year's draft? Mine, number one, I got the Miami Dolphins as well. I thought they waited way too long to get an offensive lineman. Uh, they waited the seventh round. Like you need, you need to get help for Tua there. And I think 
too, that they're, you know, they need the tight end. And I feel like this was kind of a draft where you could find a couple of really good tight end prospects and they didn't really do that. I like the Devin, um, Akina pick from Texas A&M. I think he'd be a solid running back and I think he fits that, that Miami scheme well, but you know, that's kind of the only pick I like. I know they only had four, but I thought they waited way too long to dress the old line. Um, my number two one, I had the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think both first round picks. I know Gibbs makes a little sense now, but yeah, I thought that was still a reach there at number 12. You could have got him later and you could have maybe got some other assets there. I think Jack Campbell could be a really good linebacker, but yes, I think that was a reach and I think you could have done something else there. Um, you know, and it, even at the 12 pick, it, you could have gone and got a cornerback in Gonzalez or, you know, if you or even Emmanuel Ford, which I probably would have been a reach as well, but um you know I, I didn't think the lions did great and yeah they kind of missed an opportunity they really kind of put themselves and now a division where it's kind of wide open i know the vikings won it last year but i'm still not a big fan of that no, like, i think they're very well i'm not a fan of Vikings either very wide yeah. open division yeah so i think they really missed their chance there um my number three one i had washington i know they end up getting forbes but i still thought they could have gone quarterback they could address quarterback i i don't i'm not sold on sam howell like you could have maybe addressed your quarterback situation there um, oh yeah washington was close for me it was between them and the jets yeah. for that last one spot yeah that, you know i just yeah well washington i think you know i think a couple of their kicks were good but i, I think you could have got a quarterback you could have got um a couple of weapons offensively for sam howell you know but they they didn't. I know they kind of got line there, um, mostly cutting an edge guy there late. But yeah, I didn't like. wasn't a big fan of Washington's um, draft either. Next number four for me would was on um, Milana, um, as well. B. John Robinson. I think he's going to be a really talented running back in this league. But yeah, why? You know, if you just had um out of BYU, Tyler um Algier, um, Algier. Algier, Algier. You know, yeah, he was a thousand yard rusher last year. He had a really nice season. Yeah, you could have gone fix some holes there defensively. Um, and then and then the then the tackle they got out of Syracuse, I think, you know, he's gonna have to switch to a guard. I think he's a project more. Like I, I think they could have done better in the draft early on for the Falcons as well. And then number five for me is Denver. I think, you know, I know the picks that you know they're hurting from Russell and getting Sean Payton, but I know Marvin Mint and Drew Sanders were 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 nice pickups. Um, but I don't think they got anybody that's like really, you know, in their couple picks. Like, I don't think they got many impactful guys that are going to kind of help them right away. And, um, you know, it's again, it's not a great roster. And now Payne's going to help. It, they're going to be a little bit better, but I just don't think they added anybody, you know, you know, right now that really helps them kind of in that division, too. Like, I don't think they really got too much. They didn't get a lot better than this draft. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we look at the Giants. We we'll look at the Giants draft. We all, we, we, all, we, we definitely like it. We both like it. they're one of our winners during the draft. So, uh, so for me, I, I really think this draft is very productive for them. Deontay Banks uh, getting Michael Schmitz, uh, Hyatt, and getting Eric Gray. I didn't talk about Eric Gray. I think the Eric Gray move is good because Saquon Barkley is on the franchise tag, and I think we need another running back. I really like the Eric Gray pickup. Joe Shane did a really good job addressing needs, and then you know he addressed the need in the second or in the seventh round, getting no one's from Houston. Uh, you got another corner, which I like. Can't ever have enough corners in Wick's defense. We'd like to play man coverage. And then you got another defensive tackle. So overall, I give the Giants an A minus as a draft grade. Yeah, I'm going there there as well with you an A minus. Yeah, I think Schwartz is a, or Schmitz is a guy who could kind of start right away at center. You know, Banks, 
you know, one of the top corners off the board. Um, yeah, I think he fits the defensive scheme that Wink wants to run there. Hyatt, I mentioned, was really good at Tennessee last year. Just a guy that, you know, won the Belithkoff Award for top wide receiver. Um, you know, he know he can get open. Not a big wide receiver, but yeah, you know, he's gonna get open. He's gonna be a nice downfield threat for Daniel Jones. And yeah, I think you know, often you know, and um, you know, Eric Gray as well running back, just another versatile guy. You know, and yeah, you can never. In this day and age, that in the NFL, you can never kind of have you know get another running back um, to have a backup. You know that not a bad option. I think Eric Eric Gray will fit that well. So yeah, I think the Giants had a phenomenal draft, and um, I, I think they made some good progress. Good progress last weekend. Absolutely. Now talking about your Patriots, uh, I think this was a very interesting draft for the Patriots. I thought you know in the first round they did they did end up. It was surprised me they didn't take a tackle. But they did trade down, and and they did get the they wanted that pick because they they selected it immediately. They took the best guy available, and they got Christian Gonzalez. Well, I think it's gonna be really good. You put him with Jonathan Jones as corners. That's gonna be some good. They got some. Good, those are gonna be two really good corners. Then they then they got Keon White in the second round. I thought that guy was projected to go in the first round. It's for some people to go in the first round. So I like getting Keon White. But my issue with this Patriots draft was. Number one, they didn't take an offensive player until the fourth round. And offense was the weakness of their team. So, so yeah, they took they took Jake Andrews in the fourth round as a center. So that's the weakness of their team is offense. They didn't take an offensive player until the fourth round. And then the thing that drove me nuts was they traded up for a kicker before they even had a receiver on the team. Belichick, again, has to, as a GM, needs to stop acting like he's smarter than everyone else because it's not working because they haven't won a playoff game. Since 2008 and 18, they won a playoff game in five years. Stop trying to outsmart everyone. That's a terrible move to trade up for a kicker, a kicker, a place kicker. I mean, I know they're important. I know you, you guys know that event apparent, Terry. I know they're important, but you shouldn't be trading for place kickers when you have an obvious need at the tackle position and at the receiver position. And another, another thing that bothered me was they didn't take a receiver until the sixth round. And they didn't even take a tackle in this draft. And tackle is a major, major need for this football team. So the overall grade, I'm going to give them a B minus just because of what they got in the first two rounds. Yeah, yeah. If they didn't get if they didn't get those Gonzalez or White, yeah, they definitely would have been a loser. Yeah, I got a B B for me. The first two rounds are really good. Gonzalez, that's a steal with White, which I think he helps he helps in that line because he could play inside or outside in the defensive line, and and you know Bill loves that versatility. You know their third round pick, um, Marte. Um, Mapu from Sacramento State. He's probably going to play linebacker, but again, more versatility, and he's going to be, um, you know. But like he, I think he's going to play like a Kyle Duggar role. Like I, I think that's what his role is going to be, and and for him, and then um, I think he's going to be a special team guy for us as well. Which and again, you you, you saw with the kicker, it, you've got we got the punter too. We got a kicker and a punter. Is that a first a team ever kicking a punter? And I, a know, I don't know. I have to look that up, but still, it's 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 it's, it's it is weird for a team to do that. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. I was a little surprised when I saw that, but yeah, it's not a Patriot draft without about picking some special team um specialists, and then um yeah like. I, I would have liked to tackle in a wide receiver. Well, tackle just would have been nice to pick, but yeah, like um, would have liked a wide receiver earlier. Like I like Keyshawn Body. Like I think he's, um, you know, low risk, high reward type guy. But yeah, like is he gonna? I don't think he's gonna be a big impactful guy. Demario Douglas, um, you know, he's, he's kind of could fill that slot wide receiver role for us. But 
you know, that's another Patriot pick kind of feel. But yeah, I think outside the top two rounds weren't great. Like it was kind of a lot of kind of Bill Belichick. Can he hopefully outsmart everybody? But that doesn't always work. But yeah, again, awesome win the steal for Gonzalez. I'm real excited. And I hope he's our next like JC Jackson and uh, Stephon Gilmore, you know, number one quarterback for the next couple of years. And I think he got the pencil to do that. Yeah, a lot of upside. A lot of upside with Gonzalez, but they made some, again, it was, it was, some, it was some good and bad for the Patriots. They made some good moves with getting Gonzalez, but also they didn't address some important needs, until, especially receiver, until the later rounds, and they didn't even get a tackle, which is beyond me seeing how bad Trent Brown was last year in a tackle for them. But we got to move on to – you want to say something? No, I was just no, I was just gonna. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, it's just the same thing. Yeah, just seeing how bad bad he was a tackle that that, that it was it did did, did uh, confuse me. It did confuse me. He didn't take a tackle there at all in the draft. Yeah. No, it definitely did. I I was kind of looking for that, but yeah, it just never came. And yeah, because I don't turn Brown's not great anymore. Um. So yeah, I would. I was expecting that at some point, but yeah, that was very surprising that that they did not go to tackle position. That was. That was interesting. It was also the first time since 2018 they did not pick anybody from Bama or Michigan. So usually those are two go to two go to guys, but two yeah. schools. But yeah, not not this year. But yeah, would have been nice to get tackle. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't want to take anything from Bama because of his relationship with Mac Jones right now, which is not the best. <laughs> and there's no secret <laughs> no. about that. No. But we got but we got to move on to the Yankees and. Uh, it's been a really, really rough stretch for the Yankees. I know they won last night, but it's just been a really rough stretch. I think the number one issue is the offense. With, with having Judge and Stanton now, and really, outside of Rizzo, no one's hitting at all for this Yankee team. I know they scored four runs last night, scored some runs last night, but no one's hitting at all for this Yankee team. And the, and the one thing is, if Garrett Cole wasn't on this team, how bad would this team be? This team would be – the division would be over. Garrett Cole's been outstanding this year. I think he should be the Cy Young in the American League for how well he's pitched. But outside of that – Nestor had a really rough outing on Sunday. This offense has been absolutely terrible. You can't tra- – there's no closer. There's no closer. I mean, I mean, Monday night's loss was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. How do you how do you pull Domingo Herman after throwing 88 pitches? How do you throw Domingo Herman after throwing 88 pitches? And then Clay Holmes blows the game. That was the worst loss of the season. They did bounce back and win last night, but still the Yankees right now are in last place and are in a really, really bad state right now. Yeah, we do have a closer, and that closer should be Mike King. That should be our closer. You want, you want King Holmes. to be the closer. You want King yes. to be the closer like he was last night. Yes, that that's perfect. Clay Holmes, what Boone's been saying, he's a takeoff the last 10 months. So I, I don't know if that's still being a takeoff if he's that's been if it's been going on for 10 months. But, yeah, this team's a train wreck right now. You got 13 guys in the IL. Rodon, I don't think, is pitching anytime soon. No, no, that, so, that was that was the move that, that was the move to make the team better. Was get Rodon, and he's not even on the. He's not going to. He probably might not even be on the team for the entire season. Yep, yep. So that 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 hurts the offense right now. Without Aaron Judge, is not great. Rizzo won't be another home run last night again. I the average starting. To, I know I've been high on him. I I think he's starting to come high. around. You've been very high on Volpe. Very high on a guy who's hitting two fifteen. Yeah. yeah, again, he hit another home run. If you, the analytical numbers actually say, you know, his f. War, whatever that thing I don't is. Like, care. I don't care about his war. The guy is not that good yet. Not yet, but I, I think he's coming along. You know, <laughs> you mentioned with Garrett Cole, he's been awesome. That's that, you know, you can never, you don't know what you're going to get out of Herman. Uh, you know, Nestor's, yeah, he was horrible last year. Did not have a great eye against Texas, but yeah, you know, Cole was great last night. You know, unfortunately to get the win, but they at least bailed him out of getting a loss. So that's progress, I guess, from this team, but. Yeah, it's not good. And the Monday night one, that was uh, 
Well, did you hear Boone? Because Boone was like, oh, yeah, because he Herman gives up a lot of home runs. We're going that he was going the middle of the lineup, but it's like, oh, even doesn't hit home runs. Please, please, please. The guy had a shutout going, he threw 88 pitches. There's no reason to take him out there. Nope, nope. He gave up. That was only a second hit, gave it up all night. And yeah, you, you don't trust. I just, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it, but you know, that's yeah, this team's a mess right now. They need to get healthy. And again, you know, it ain't good. And you know, it's uh it could be a long summer if they don't get some of these guys back soon. It, it really could. But yeah. the nice thing is, it, if you want to look forward to the Somerset Patriots coming to Hartford, I think next month. So there could be a bunch of Yankees rehabbing on that down that trip. So I may have to watch out for that. So yeah, I might you know. be seeing some. Maybe yeah, I might be seeing some. Yeah, so we might be seeing some Yankees that could be filling in. But yeah, because even I think this team, even if Judge and Stanton come back healthy. I think it's hard to see this team really make a run this year because they're probably going to be like one of the like the sixth seed in the American League if they somehow sneak into the playoffs because the Red Sox right now are, are ahead of them. So if they sneak in, they'd be the sixth seed. And, and 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 I just don't see this team really making that big of a run, even if Judge and Stanton, even when Judge and Stanton are back. No, because this lineup just right now is not very good. No, you know? really, outside of Judge Stanton and Rizzo, who else is there in the lineup that's hitting? And don't tell me no. Goldie because he got that one home run. All right, fine. What you know, Glaber? Because Glaber's cooled off. DJ's still been decent in runners to score, but he's still knocking his guy. He's at two two sixty for this team is actually really good. Like two yeah. two sixty, that that's like a three hundred on this team. You know, with with these averages, so you know, DJ's still been DJ, but yes, he's older. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I just I don't buy this team in October. Again, I think what are they now? They're like two games under five hundred since like last year's All Star break. Like it's not a not a very good team. And look, Cashman just got a four-year extension. So it's not like this team wins uh, 70 games. He's not he's he's not oh, going anywhere. Cashman, Cashman's staying. The guy who's gonna take the oh, fall yeah. is Boone. Boone is Boone will take the fall for this. Boone should take yeah. the fall for this, but he will no both both guys should take the fall for this, but Boone will be the one to take the fall. Cashman should see, like I feel bad. Monday night was on Boone, but I feel like Boone gets too much criticized at times like what's he supposed to do with this with this team like there's not like yeah like, but, you, but again again you can't fire 25 players someone has to be to blame yeah. and he's the one who's got to be to blame yeah he's gonna be the one to get blamed what has he got two years left i think on a contract so yeah he i would assume because again if this team doesn't make the playoffs the yankee fans are going to you know they, they're gonna they're gonna want somebody you know they're gonna want somebody fired and yeah that that guy's gonna be aaron boone even though he he's a puppet, but look, you know, this team, I'm with you. Like, I don't I think I had this team losing the wild card with our predictions. Like, I I didn't buy this team because yeah, there's just not much outside of Aaron Judge, and I don't trust Dan. And again, he's gonna be out for what another two months. Like he's always on the eye for two weeks and there's been no peeps. Like, I can't imagine he's coming back anytime soon. Hopefully the judge thing is quick, but you never know. So look, you're already eight and a half back at Tampa Bay and you're playing him this weekend and you could very possibly get swept. So, yeah, you could be 11 and a half out staring yourself on Monday morning. So, yeah, this, it, you know, this team, this team, yeah, this, I could see this team being bouncing a wild card around. I agree. I agree. I agree. And now moving on to the Red Sox. Uh, they've been playing pretty well. They've been playing pretty well. I mean, they're, they've been all playing, hitting the ball well for Dugo. He's been, he's been hot. He's been a couple of walk-offs for him. He's been hot. I mean, obviously you got Devers hitting well. And then you got Yoshida. Yoshida's really stepped up for them too. I think they got a good bullpen. The issue with this team, and I, I still think even though they're up to, they're hot and they're 17 and 14, I think the issue with this team is the starting pitching. They do not have enough starting pitching. And I don't think it will, it, it will keep the, – the thing about it is, this pitching has to keep the this this team has to kind of stay afloat until 
late July. I just because that's the trade deadline where they can improve their rotation. I just don't see. I know this team's seventeen and fourteen, but I just don't see this team with their pitching to be being able to stay afloat until late July. I think they're going to be too far. And I know they're good right now, but I still, in my opinion, think they're going to be too far out of it in late July for to make a difference if they're going to for to, for it to make a difference or for them or for them to improve their rotation. Yeah, it, it really could be. You know, look. The crazy thing is right now is like the Red Sox fans are, you know, the position they're in, they're, you know, they're for the no expectations. They're actually kind of excited for what that. They, it's they, a weird spot though for Boston fans because they're so depressed yeah. about what happened to the Bruins and the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sox is kind of they're kind of flying under the radar. And are people really buying this team? Yeah, and I think they're buying things right now just the way like the fight is. But yeah, like I don't know if there's if they're bought into 162 games that they're going to be this competitive and they're going to be right in the mix, but. Look, the bright side, they've already beat Toronto twice this year. They only won – they were 3-16 and 16 against them last year. So, they, they've done a little bit better in that department this year because they showed to beat anybody in the division. But, yeah, like the, the starting rotation is still going to show. But, again, Hauk went out there. He gave up six runs of the fifth thing last night. They needed a six out because their bullpen was just – they had nobody in their bullpen last night. He gave him the six, and he got a one, two, three. Like, you know, and Pax is being getting lit up like a Christmas tree in AAA. He actually shut down – the Yankees triple A roster tonight. No surprise, but he's been getting rocked at triple A. So they're gonna they're gonna keep him down there for another start or two, but I don't know how much you get out of him when he comes back up. But yeah, their lineup's been great. And Verdugo's already got eight eight walk-off hits in his career. So he's been great in the clutch. And yeah, can this team stay afloat? It's tough, but the team's uh the lineup's been good and kind of long with two home runs last night was huge. So, look, this Red Sox team's fun to watch. Like, they're much fun than the Yankees. The Yankees can't hit the baseball. At least they're, I, I hate to say it, but the Red Sox games are actually entertaining. I, very entertaining. They, they, don't pitch, on the they, mound. They, they don't pitch and they hit. That's why they're yeah. that's why they're entertaining. Yeah, that, I, like, they're fun to watch. And it's not as, you know, I don't like to see them winning. But, look, you know, the Yankees are dragging unless like Garrett Cole's on the mound. You know, like, you don't really feel like you have a shot to win unless the Cole's pitching. It's a one-two score game. One two-run game so look right now for the Red Sox it's nicer they're uh hanging in there but yeah we'll see how much longer with that bull with that bullpen and rotation how long you know because I can't expect the offense is good but yeah can they put up eight nine runs a night all year and I just don't think you could keep up keep that up absolutely 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 so we'll wrap up the show talk about the Rangers and the Bruins obviously the Bruins was a major disappointment with them being out of the playoffs but uh, the big question is, is is the Rangers losing the first round after what they did? They were up 5-1, game one and game two, 5-1 in New Jersey. Is this as disappointing? Is this close? And I don't think it's as disappointing, but is this as close to as disappointing of a, uh, is, it, is it as close, is it close to as disappointing as the, as the Bruins? Is it close to as disappointing? Them losing the first round. Is it, is it close to as disappointing as the Bruins losing the first round? I still don't think so because I just think the Bruins are just a, major disappointment after having the best record in all of hockey and being the best team of all time in all of hockey and then losing the first round. I think that's just an epic disappointment because of what happened. I think that's a, that's really, really bad. The Rangers, yes, they got Kane and Tarasenko, but still, they still were the three seed and the Devils were the two seed. They still were the lower seed. So I still don't think, even though it's disappointing, I don't think it's even close to the disappointment that the Bruins had losing the first round of the Panthers. Yeah, because again, you go back. The Bruins were up three one. They had three chances to close the Bru- the Panthers out, and they couldn't do it. And there were two goals with under. They went up six four with ten minutes left in Game Six. They could have. They couldn't shut the door there. And I heard yesterday. I guess Olmark wasn't one hundred percent, and that's why they threw in Swayman in Game Seven. But 
that was a tough spot. And the Panthers are the better team Sunday night. They were. They deserved to win that game over the Bruins. You know, like, I think it's a team that, you know, was just, um, you know, I think they got tight. They were 0-3 with Bergeron, which was surprising. Um, but, yeah, like, with the Rangers, they didn't show up. At it. But I go back to last year. Did this? Did that Rangers team really beat Pittsburgh if Truba doesn't knock out Cindy Crosby? I don't no, think so. No, I don't think so either. Like, no, it, no, no. I think this team is farther off than we think they were. Or, they, you know, I think they were not as close as we all thought they were. And, look, um, I don't know how – I've read a couple – Things where yeah maybe Galant gets fired and they go after Joe Quinville. I don't I don't. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind going after Quinville. He won a couple of cups in Chicago. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that either. But you know, that that kind of story that came out a couple of years ago with he kind of I kept know, quiet yeah. about a sexual. That yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah. thing I just. I get Because they, they're gonna it. have to go yep. through the NHL to get him. Yeah, signed. I get it. So, I get it. I get it. That's the only thing I worry about. But Galant's kind of overstated as well. You know that's the problem in Vegas. But yeah, I I think the Bruins are a little bit more. I still didn't think the Bruins were that great going to the regular like into the season. I thought they were the fourth best team in their division. They had a great year, but um yeah, I think it's just disappointing that you had three chances you could not close them out. And I think that's the disappointing one. But with the Rangers, it's like you could have had a chance that you beat the Devils. And that's the problem too, is like the Devils, Jack Hughes is twenty one years old. You're gonna have to deal with them probably for the next two decades. So yeah, the Rangers, I think the disappointing yeah, that- part is we're farther away. Yeah, that rivalry is back now. That rivalry that was there in you know the 2000s with Marty against Mike Richter, that, with Marty Bordeaux. The Devils are back with Jack Hughes. The Devils are back. So yeah, they're going to be there for a while now. Yeah, yeah, and you know they've gone the last three times the playoffs now. So at some point, it'd be nice to knock these guys off because uh, they yeah. they've gone us in the playoffs lately. So uh, look, you know they got some work to do, and we'll see. Because you know I don't know where the Rangers turn from here. I I, I don't know. Because the yeah. Devils just looked like the better, faster team, and you know, and especially, especially in Game Seven. Yeah, especially at the end of that series, especially in Games Five and Seven, they definitely looked like they were the they, they were the better team. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with the Rangers. We'll see we'll see what they do in the offseason. But that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RNJ for Justin Nafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week, continuing to talk about the NBA, the NBA playoffs, the Yankees and Red Sox, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 